Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. It is Thursday, and we recently saw another open practice. That's the third in a row I think we've seen now in very enlightening once again. Tim, you had offense. I had defense. A lot to talk about. I think probably a good starting point for you would be the young wide receivers, which I want to slip this in right now. Notre Dame is no longer recruiting grad transfer prospect Eric Kuma, and there's one major reason for that, and it is because four freshmen and junior-to-be Michael Young have emerged. Yeah, they had a good, they had a very good practice. Um, Chris Fink, I got a chance to talk to Chris Fink two days ago about the young receivers because that's really the best way to communicate to find out about some of these guys and I was curious most about Joe Wilkins because I think if you're listening to this you'd be like us what does Joe Wilkins do best or what is his his differentiator you don't really know Lindsay is blinding speed Keys is obviously quick I mean Micah Jones is big like Boykin you know if, he, if he's going to make waves in right. a couple years what is it from Wilkins and, and Fink's like you know he's bigger than he looks he's stronger than he looks He's quick out of his breaks. He's faster than he looks. He's got really good hands and he runs really good routes. It's like, that's a lot other than, of good stuff. That, other than that, he doesn't have a lot going for him. It, it, it's a legit question, and I don't, know, I don't know that we really saw him like really flash in a practice until yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, not since back in August. And right. even, even then, Lindsey was the – not Lindsey. Keyes was the one that was flashing last right. August. But BK told us that Wilkins was in the rotation. So, yeah, yeah and, and Keyes has just has been impressive throughout camp. He's a competitive dude. That's it's the best way to say it. He bounces off of contact. He's he can't take too much contact. I know that some people from the have been saying to us like, "Hey, man, he's really little." You know, and if you're going to be, but he's not going to start. It's Chris Fink, right? So you got a great and compliment. He, and he had, you know, May, June, and July are going to be hugely significant for for guys like that. Uh, today's Thursday thoughts. I mentioned that with regard to Tariq Bracy because I think he can be a. I, I would think he would be in the mix as a, a nickel candidate yeah. if he were just stronger right now. He's going to be a lot stronger after May, June, and July. So that applies. Yeah, I mean, at Lawrence Keys, um, you know, we uh, we certainly saw Kevin Austin flash a couple practices ago. ago. Yeah. And Michael Young has been really, really good on a very consistent basis. When you talk about those five, the four freshmen and Young, the two most consistent that we've seen have been Young and Keys. Definitely. And Young we I th- and Young is a step above them right now. We should point that out. Where we're talking about there's stories coming out about freshman receivers. Right. That's because that's an interesting story. Michael Young is the third receiver. He's going to start. Yes, we need to request a conversation with Michael Young because he's right. he's earned that based upon what we've seen up to this point. I thought there was a funny moment where he he faked now, you made a good point, but he shook Troy Pride after a catch and you're like, This isn't really fair to Pride because you're you're not allowed to tackle, which right. is true. There, right. A couple of us were like not sure if you were allowed you're going to get him that time either, but it was a really good move. Michael Young's been making those plays, and uh, but that's that is totally true. And we try to report on these practices when they are playing eleven on eleven and they hit, but they don't tackle to the ground. It's it is a disadvantage yeah. for a defensive because back. how I do mean, you gear you don't how do you gear up for something like that yeah. as a defender? It isn't anything that you 
other than the instances that we're talking about, isn't something that you generally practice. You know, so it's it is difficult for them. You're kind of caught in between. Um, I wanted you to. I'm going to jump over to the defense a little bit because I, there was a lot. Most of what my uh, Thursday thoughts were about was the defensive side of the ball because there's some interesting thing ha- things happening there with the linebackers and and a glimpse at the nickel, which we really got in the last uh, two practices because yeah. we saw a little bit at the end of Saturday. But I wanted you to talk about the offensive line and just what your thoughts are as to what you've seen up to this point. It's we. I was trying to put it into words and failed. Other than it, they they look good, <laughs> they were so, they they have been solid. I've been impressed with pass protection. Other than the last couple snaps of that nickel, um, they didn't pick up a blitz, and that was this was this yeah. was live competitive end practice action. And right. as Marble all got through, and that yeah. made Book throw a bad incompletion um, under pressure. I thought they protected well, considering what they're going against. And I think they get a little bit more push than I thought they would get in the running game. And it's a nice varied running game. I've had some, there's good misdirection in this. There's a lot of jet sweeps going on. Ian Book is really good at the, at the read option fake now. I've had some I've trouble had diff- following I have too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I've had a lot of trouble following it. And this is in, with binoculars. So I've had some problems. I just think they're, they're getting a better push than I thought. And I don't know if we have the question or if it was posed at one point, but, uh, Will the 2019 offensive line be better than last year's? I wrote last year it would be better, and I have seen nothing that changes my mind. I didn't think they were that good last year. I don't care what their yeah, accolades were. No, I, they, I think they'll be pretty good this year. They were this year. I, yeah. I, I wanted to throw this in there. Speaking of jet sweeps, uh, Jafar Armstrong and Lawrence Keys. Those are two real weapons in the jet sweep game, which I think we've seen them run at least a couple jet sweeps each practice. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know that we're giving away any trade secrets there. It's an open practice, but I mean, I think those two guys are really, really effective at that. We're just not supposed to break down where the tackle trap comes from and all that. (laughs) No, he kind of joked with this. They're like, you know, maybe don't break down the play. You can say jet sweep, but yeah, that's 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 part of it. That's fine. Um, Kyron Williams. As the first, I, I don't go looking for. The early enrollees, I guess, as much as I should, maybe for subscribers. We do have a question about them uh, a little bit later. He, for the first time, I kind of noticed him where I thought, oh, that's he's got some quickness. Uh, we have no idea if he has the second-level speed we've been looking for because yeah, we're not running I'm those still, type I, of plays. No, but I, I'm actually still kind of doubting that based upon yeah. what we saw the other yeah, day. He does have, I, love, I love the way he protects the football. And he is he's really stocky and well-built for a guy with that yeah. quickness, so I think he can really grow into that role of kind of the complementary back that makes plays in the passing game and he's he's not going to be a guy as his career progresses that goes down easily I don't think he shows good balance and he's compact yeah I I, we don't we don't know who the number three running back is right now we definitely know who the top two are and there's no doubt about that Tony Jones Jr. looks quicker on his feet than we've seen him at any point yeah he's and he'll be involved in the passing that's my opinion I agree he'll be involved in the passing game too and I I would be I think Jafar Armstrong in good health is clearly the number one back but that they're going to use Tony Jones liberally throughout the game, and they can use them both. Yeah, they're both effective in the passing game. I think Armstrong's more explosive, of course. By, by both, I mean they can be in, and Armstrong can, yes, absolutely. can flex out. absolutely. Um, I want to talk about the defense a little bit because, again, that was the main focus of my Thursday thoughts, and I, and I think, you know, I think we have to understand that there's there likely will be no resolution of the linebacker situation at the end of spring, let alone now midway through. And that's fine. We need to accept that. I, I know. I, I know a lot of people want resolution, but that's not how the game always works. Especially when Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney are no longer there, and they they played such a significant role uh, virtually every snap at inside linebacker. I, I think you know there is some positive news in that they like 
uh, Jeremiah uh, Owusu Koromoa and Paul Mawala at the rover position. I think that's a bit concerning because of the size there, and opponents could try to pound it down their throat, and then Nordane would have to adjust. I don't know exactly how they would how they would adjust, but I but I, that's a positive th- sign. The fact that uh, Jack Lamb is apparently, uh, from what we're told through Intel, that uh, you know he is the guy in passing situations, third down situations at Buck. That's a great step yes. forward. Somebody immediately asked, well, why why isn't he? Why wouldn't he be a first down, second down guy? Well, they just haven't concluded that yet. And that's all part of the evolution of this whole process that's going to take time. But they found a niche for him that they definitely want him in on. I like Jack Lamb maybe the most as of right now of the future for future linebackers. I don't think you you can't approach the level of snaps Coney and Trent. I mean, I'm talking within 150 for a guy like Jack Lamb going into his redshirt no, freshman good, season. No, so no. that's why if he's going to be on the third down, he can't be first, second, third down. It won't last more than four. And days. that would be a perfect spot where you know I think again I'm I've always been high on Jordan Jenmark Heath, and I remain that way. And I, that would be a perfect spot where if you did want to, if you did want to rotate guys, you'd be in a position to do that. Now, if if Lamb proves to be an every down linebacker and is strong enough and can handle that, great. Yeah. But if not, I think you have an alternative there. Here's the other thing: Asmar Bilal is the best option at Mike, and I'm not sure that that's going to change anytime soon with Bo Bauer and Jonathan Jones. No, because we kind of heard through channels that Drew White was one of the best options right. at Mike, and, and I, you know, that that's great to hear. I just feel badly for the kid that missed last spring with a, was a broken foot. I believe so, yes. And now shoulder surgery. It just, he's a, he's not a big guy not anyway. A big frame. Uh, no. He wasn't super fast anyway, so it's, it, it's going to take its toll, and you know, that doesn't mean the whole season, but I don't think he's going to be running into camp all of a sudden and be like, well, Drew White's back. Now we have competition at the mic. Asmar Bilal is going to... It's odd that he's not talked about as a starter by Brian Kelly. I'm just surprised by it, but I, he's he's going to end up... He's going to end up there. It, there's You keep saying this, and you're right. There's too much experience. There just is. And, and, and he's a physical and, and guy. You just, and you just don't have... You know, look, Bill Bauer is a really, really physical guy, but it's about run fits. Jonathan Jones is is a bit undersized. I don't know exactly what holds him back when I watch him run individual drills, which is where we see him most. Yeah. Is just into in positional drills. He looks quick. He looks low. He, you know, I mean, he's got good knee bend. I, I just he's they just don't give him very many. We're midway through spring now, and he just hasn't been given many opportunities to work with the first team. We'll get Clark Lee one more time, and that's the guy to yeah, ask about. He's a no senior. Doubt. He's a guy to ask about. It's not, you know, when there's a freshman, you, you kind of know what the problem is. They haven't, they're not developed yet. He is a senior, so it's it's a good guy to ask about. I would have been wrong two years ago when I said John Jones will be a, yeah. taking over as a senior. It's, he, I don't think he will. Yeah, um, and I want to move on to, to Nickel. At the end of Saturday's practice, and I'm not sure um, that I mentioned this to you, so it, and I don't know if you saw it, but I did see and I heard uh, about Avery Davis playing Nickel. And yes. I, I saw a couple reps, and then clearly at the end of Tuesday's practice, they were repping Nickel defense and repping offense against Nickel defense. And... Um, Avery Davis was the guy. I thought Avery Davis was better playing corner throughout the entire practice than he was playing nickel at the end. Um, but I've, I've got a great quote, and I would encourage people to go to my Thursday Thoughts. It's a great 
quote from Troy Pride about Avery Davis, and he kind of covered the gamut of strengths the same yeah. way yeah. Fink did about Wilkins. Um, and so you understand why Avery Davis is their choice. Now, I also get that it's disappointing for people that Noah Boykin's not that guy, that Tariq Bracey's not that guy, that D.J. Brown, even though he's moved to safety, he's a former corner. You would expect the guys that are more trained at the cornerback mm-hmm. position to be the guy that's the first choice at nickel. And to be fair, Sean Crawford is still the, quote, first choice at nickel if he proves he can be healthy, but he's had three significant injuries, and we don't know by this fall. But Avery Davis is the nickel. Debate, comment. I mean, I mean that, he's their best choice right now. Yeah, it's clearly Bracey would be the guy I thought they would go before spring started without Sean Crawford. I just think that's a strength that. issue, and that yeah, he could yeah. be he could be 188 by this fall, and then it's a different situation. Right now he's listed at 172. I have talked to, because Notre Dame has rarely had a good nickel <laughs> uh, since Jamora Slaughter left. That's 2011. In 2012, they didn't employ one other than Elijah Shumate early, and he proved to be too slow in coverage, which makes sense. 2013. Matthias Farley was. The well, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Matthias Farley in 2015 was good. 2014 or 2013, they tried Cole Luke as a rookie. By the end of September, he was out. It's a hard position. When Sean Crawford goes down, that's, they, they literally recruited Sean Crawford, brought him in to start at nickel as a true freshman in 2015. Yes. And as Matthias Farley said, the best one since then, he beat me out in a week. As a true freshman, <laughs> Matthias Farley said that because he's a great interview and he was yeah. a team captain. But he's like, yeah, we, we missed him. He beat me out in a week and I'm the nickel now. But it's really hard. It's a two-way go. You keep hearing people on the field trying to instruct them. you got to be able to kind of read the play beforehand. You can't just react with the whole field to cover. Right. And Avery Davis has got to have trouble doing that right now. Chris Fink talked about Avery Davis. Chris Fink, I didn't know this, for two weeks in his first fall camp got moved to nickel. Because Sean Crawford got hurt. So they didn't have anybody, as we know. Did we know that? No. And he said, we, it, was, it was when practice was closed, the last two weeks of camp. We're never there the last two weeks. He said, we were like, well, how'd you do? He goes, I did not do very well. It's extremely hard. He goes, all I knew was the signals, so I was able to peek and cheat a little bit. and know where the play was going. Yeah. He's like, they moved me back to receiver. I couldn't play corner. <laughs> he said, Avery Davis is coming along. Um, he, he wasn't effusive in his praise, so I know he was honest. Right. He said he's, he's, he's doing pretty well. He's coming along. It's a really hard position, and he is not going to learn it all this spring, man. He's going to have to go all through August camp. Yeah. And- See, it's I, – I mean, I think what Davis brings to it is, obviously, he's quick. Yeah. But I think they consider him stronger than well, – I don't, I, I don't have the – Roster in front of me, exactly what he weighs, but he, he's stronger than what kind of like Julian acquired, stronger than right. what his weight says. Um, so I mean, that's where they're going right now. They went an entire they they went twelve and zero last year without a without a quality productive nickel, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he it's. I mean, that's not ideal. No, you, it's you not would, ideal you know, in the modern game. Like that. Yeah, I, you, I, I, ideally, Sean Crawford will be healthy and Kyle Hamilton can work his way in there as well. You'll have a three-way competition. Yeah, I, I did, again, information through the channels. Um, I think that they would, in the grand scheme, they would prefer that Kyle Hamilton just played safety and they could rotate him in with the top two guys. Yeah, that'd be great. Because he's, li- he's a little long for the typical nickel. But man, he, he's he's long in a good way too. If you saw him in the All Star game, whichever I don't remember which one he was in, but you saw him in the All Star game, it's like that's when I said, 
holy crap, this guy can be a nickel for, for them mm-hmm. because he's so long and he does react so well to the right or left movement of the receiver. Nickel makes a lot of guys look not as quick and athletic as they are. Is how Houston I, is, Griffith would yeah, be an exactly. example of that. It's, it's a tough position. Um, they haven't been blessed with it, really. Yeah. Yeah, they have. They've been they've been pretty fortunate. All right, plenty of questions. Segment two coming back, burning up the boards. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question from Wilms1. One thing I've always found interesting as a longtime reader of ND 24-7 is how the writers have to balance their ties and allegiances to the program with dispassionate journalism. Have you guys had to deal with that in your work? Because he had referenced, obviously, recruiting. can bring that along, but we don't really call the recruits. Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) born and raised in South Bend, uh, saw my first football game in Notre Dame Stadium when I was six, went to school there, started writing about Notre Dame right out of Notre Dame. I I mean, to to a large degree, yes, but I didn't didn't become a journalist to cover Notre Dame football. I became a journalist because, a sports journalist in particular, because that's what my passion was and and my love. Now, when when it became Notre Dame football, great. Um, so there are times, yeah, when I throw a pen or two during a, during a game in the press box. There's, punters there's, are sometimes involved yeah, in punters, this. Yeah, punters piss me off. Yeah, there's there's no <laughs> doubt about that. But this is our profession, man. I mean, I, I you know, we're measured by our professionalism and our accuracy. So when it comes to stating what we believe, uh, that's easy. Look, I have a similar background with going to games since I was eight. Basketball before that, I have, and I'm not going to say another word about this, but I have 0% homer in me, but I am covering a game. And if I'm just asked who I think will win, someone says to me, who do you think is going to win this game? And I think the other team is better than Notre Dame. I think I will say the other team is going to win. I don't at any point ever root for that. I don't think to myself, Ohio State is way better than Notre Dame in the 2015 Fiesta Bowl, and Notre Dame's broken down and has injury problems. But I didn't sit there and think to myself, yep. I was right. I sat there and rooted for Notre Dame to come back in my mind, <laughs> but yeah. I just I don't I don't like the I, I don't like the Homer angle. I've never had it. I've always wanted Notre Dame to win games, with the exception of the outgoing uh, Tyrone Willingham game where I bet against them and I was sitting in a O'Hare Airport. That one did not hurt as much as, as other losses. Yeah. I I just don't I I'm a, no, I'm, I'm a little differently. I just I guess I'm wired differently. I, I want it, them to win. I can easily say who yeah. I think will win. No, I, I can't too. I mean, we're we're of the same mindset there. Why, why offer a prediction if you're not going to be objective about it? That's silly. That's a that's a complete waste of time. So when people criticize us for not having, I, I remember I was criticized for not having more faith in Notre Dame. It's not it's not a faith issue. It's a football analysis. So that's easy. I, I mean, I, I I hope that comes across yeah. in the work. I think it does. Outside of predictions um, during the game. I have felt many times in 11 years of press boxes and stuff like that where I'm just like, oh, you got to be kidding me feeling. I don't think I've shown it more than one or two. I know at a basketball game once, Heron Goaty against this. I'll never forget this. Heron Goaty up three 
goes to foul, it was a Devin Ebanks from West Virginia, who's going for a dunk with five seconds left. And I just thought, I literally put my hands on my head like, did I just, did this just happen? Did this literally just happen in front of me? I, those... Well, that's you're incredible, but, but you was... probably would have done the same thing. If it was the other, if it's yes, the other, I was the incredulous. You're incredulous as to the basketball decision. And then, as you've pointed out, the last two USC clinchers to go twelve and zero. Yeah, I had you were trouble. you were you were tight. You were tight at the Coliseum. <laughs> I might not have caught the game winner. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> missed an extra point if yeah, I had to kick. No, you were kids. you were definitely tight. Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, if if you can wave a magic wand and have either. Michigan, Ohio State, Stanford, or USC entered a de- enter a decade long recruiting and on the field slump. Which would you choose? Now, Kaiser Wilhelm <laughs> clarifies. To be clear, I'm looking for what would be best for the program rather than your personal feelings. First, I want your opinion. If you were <laughs> no, so inclined, go away, dispassionate. <laughs> if you were so inclined to to uh, show your personal feelings, who would uh, you choose there? One of the first two, Michigan or Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. There's a fan base issue I have, I guess, with both. I don't come into contact with Stanford and USC fans because one doesn't have them and the other one doesn't usually care unless they're 12-0. and 0. Yeah, mine would be Michigan without a doubt. Yeah, I, <laughs> my, mine is Michigan um, for both in that the, I think for the program, I don't want Michigan to be strong. I feel like Stanford has to be good and I really think Notre Dame... It, I really think Notre Dame's helped by having a really good USC team and the best example of... I don't mean the Pete Carroll level. I don't, yeah, I don't want that that's back. too good. Um Example is last year where you're getting no credit for beating USC, who played their hearts out and honestly deserves kudos for how they played yeah. that game against Notre Dame. They, Notre Dame didn't get enough credit for beating a rival because they were bad. I don't think bad USC is good for Notre Dame. I would agree with that, um, and I, I would have to choose as far as what would be best for the program. I would. I mean, it's kind of a toss-up for me with Michigan and Stanford. You recruit against both of them. Uh, Notre Dame can't have Stanford be five and seven, though. You know. Well, they, that's true. Yeah, and no, that's true because that is. I mean, that has become a, a marquee game on their schedule virtually every year. So I agree with you from that perspective. Uh, Michigan recruiting wise, I you know at this stage, who do they? Who's Notre Dame butt heads with recruiting wise? More Stanford or Michigan? It's still probably Michigan a little bit. It's just not the right constant. But, yeah, okay, let's put it this way. When Notre Dame's recruiting an offensive lineman, <laughs> that's yeah. that's when it becomes tough uh, going head-to-head with Stanford. But, um, yeah, I, I, in in no instance would I, I – have no, I have no bad feelings whatsoever towards Ohio State. I never have. You never, never have, will. but I have. No, I, yeah, I see, have, I never yeah. have. I uh, have a weird admission to make. This will probably make people stop subscribing to our Irish Illustrated, but I tend to root for Michigan over Ohio State, except for, of course, this year, because i got to tell you – there was nothing more annoying. There was nothing more annoying than the narrative that Michigan should be ahead of Notre Dame. You can look. If Notre Dame lost a game, I understand the the argument. Can't believe we're going back to this. It still makes me mad. If Notre Dame had lost a game, you'd be like, yeah, you know what? They beat Michigan a long time ago. They both lost a game. Michigan has lost since. Right. Maybe you could take right. Michigan. We can all agree they on that. Never. It's ridiculous. It's the it's the dumbest it's thing. The, and then the second dumbest was Georgia fans being upset. Please we lost do. twice. Turn the scoreboard off if <laughs> yes. it's not going to count. So That's last ridiculous. year in my hotel, Ohio State, it was the most I've rooted for Ohio State in my entire life. I enjoyed. I was not dispassionate. In my, yeah, in my Manhattan Beach Marriott, and I've home. never had like animosity towards USC. I, I, I no, they I were just great, great for a while. Yeah, I, you know, but. I, I just I I don't know I I don't know why I I think that that I I think there are more Nordic fans I know this there are more Nordic fans that hate Michigan that hate USC I am positive it's right for, and they're right there you hear from them it's I I felt that way my whole life yeah. I did grow up in hammering USC um, 
12 out of 13 times, or 11 out of 13 times with the tie mixed in. So I never saw Notre Dame lose to them from fourth grade through the end of college. Yeah. How much can you hate a team? And yeah. then, honestly, Notre Dame had one chance to even remotely the 2005 game during the Pete Carroll run where you thought they could beat them. I mean, how much can you get mad at USC for beating you by 30 and taking yeah, the no, foot I the guess. All right, we're talking way too much about something other than current <laughs> Notre Dame football. So I'm going to go to at B-Man underscore 2017. What do you make of the early betting line for Georgia, which is um, minus 11.5 Georgia, and Michigan minus 8.5 in favor of Michigan? Is Michigan really only three points worse than Georgia, according to Vegas? I wish I had the subscriber's name because he said it best on the board. He said the Georgia line is about four points too high, and the Michigan line is about 15 points too high. I thought it was one of the funnier lines I've heard. Uh, I mean, I'm going to steal would, it. I would, I would, I would uh, recommend that everybody recognize it's March. And, and so, the, I mean, those are, those are just opening lines. And so Vegas will see where it goes from there, and it will be adjusted accordingly. I... But to answer the question, I think Georgia's more than three points better than Michigan in the situation. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I think, I think going to Georgia is scary. Um, you know, no, I, mean, I, poten- yeah, I mean, potentially yeah. scary just because it's going to Georgia. Uh, I don't feel that way about Michigan, especially knowing what Michigan has lost from last year. Michigan should be favored over Notre Dame because it's a hard place for Notre Dame to win. They right. haven't won there since <laughs> two thousand and. It's the opening night. Uh, the, the three. Right. Five, five, 2005, Charlie Weiss. They didn't have a chance at a couple times, but yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's Vegas is puts out a line yeah. and sees where it goes from there, and then they work accordingly. Uh, you know, I know people, you can place bets now on it. Yeah, I know it counts if you want to do it. Yeah. Florida State no. was favored by 24 this time of year uh, in 2014 over Notre Dame. If the line has not moved since they were first posted, then they're good lines yeah. for now, right? That's true. At WG Pennington, is Aaron Banks the top-ranked NFL prospect on the roster? Who are some other Irish players you feel could ultimately rise up the draft boards? And he mentions Kareem and Aquara, of course. I think he's the top-ranked offensive lineman on the roster. I, know, I, I would much for the player on the team, Aquara and Kareem. Yes. Are, are way higher yeah, for me. That's why yeah. I say. I, yeah. I, think that, I, I think that ultimately Aaron Banks will be the – I think – Liam Eikenberg has a chance, mm-hmm. but I think right now I would say Aaron Banks, wouldn't you? Or would yeah, you for not? the NFL because he has three more years also. I would agree. I think he's a five-year guy, Aaron Banks. Ronnie Stanley wasn't. I don't have any. How do you – I mean, what's your perspective? Why would you say you think he's a five-year guy? I mean, he could be – He's a junior now. I don't right, think he'll it, go out. Uh, what, 26 games it, from now? Yeah. Ronnie Stanley's one that did. Quentin Nelson's one that did, and I don't – and no one else is. I don't think he's. Bad. I mean, the thing the, here's the thing. He was starting. La- he started half of last year. Yes. And so now you yeah. give him two full years after that, and I think it's hard to. I think it's hard to call. And and the other thing is, Harry he stands not still there. That's true. Where where where? I don't know. Mike McGlinchey was a five year guy. It's a heck of a player. Heck of a talented you know, player. I agree. To be, you know. No, I, I I agree. I just but he became a starter later than. Than yeah, Banks Aaron did. Banks got an early. And I'm not disrespecting Jeff Quinn. It's just that Harry Heastan had a way of having been in the NFL, had a way of convincing those guys. And to I guess Zach, stick around. Uh, Zach being a five year guy, I mean, he was a 52 game starter. Zach Martin probably knew that's I could become I can become a first game. I can become a first round pick. That's a you know. that's a, a it's g- that was a gift from God. Yeah, it was. It's incredible. Jay <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jude, early reviews of the offensive line have been very positive. What are the odds? The unit as a whole is better than the 2017 unit. 
I understand the reason ah, for the I question. The question. Yes, I understand the reason for the question because Kramer wasn't very good. Hainsey was a true freshman, right? Uh, but I didn't think Bars had personally. I didn't no, think Bars didn't. had a good year. And and now looking at Mustafer, he was better that year. He was better. Mustafer was yeah. better that year than he was last year. I'm well, in sure terms why. of accolades, they're not going to win the Joe Moore Award. I wouldn't think because I think part of that is also the star power Notre Dame had. It was. Obvious. I mean, you had yeah. those guys. Um, I mean, I believe they'll be better than 18. I've said that many times. I would guess that... So basically, the question is asking, Georgia and Miami, they failed. That line. True. Can they be... A lot at of people, worst... A lot of people failed that day. They did. No, no, no. <laughs> that night. <laughs> they sure did. I but, failed by not being there. Yeah, but they... <laughs> well, that wasn't exactly your fault on that one. But, um, I don't know. I, I I would guess that the 2017 unit will be remembered as a better line, but I, I get his point because they they really had a bad night in Miami. The Georgia defense was outstanding. Uh, Quentin Nelson had a good day. Mike McGlinchey had a bad snap. Brandon Wimbush had no chance against those guys, so it's not really on them the line. But they didn't they didn't look like that team. They didn't look like no. that line. I mean, um, the 2017 unit still though. I mean, whether it whether the whether it's completely slanted by Nelson and McGlinchey is really beside the point. That's one of the great lines in the history of Notre Dame, yeah. largely because those two guys were top nine NFL picks. Yeah, I think when this is, I think that when the season's over, it'd be good to say the best lines Brian Kelly has had is 2017 and then 2015, close behind, and yes. then 2019 can be third. He's competing be, for that, com- yes. And then you could say that's third and competing, yeah, yeah. would be the yep. ideal for me. Yep, I agree. Jim Bonney, CRS, is playing as Marbalal at Mike Linebacker, reflective of the coaching staff wanting the most experienced and knowledgeable player at the most complex position, or is it to allow more talent on the field at Buck and Rover? I think it's both. I, I think Asmar Bilal is the best Mike Linebacker prospect right now. I think some people would say, really? Well, why? You know, we talked about it in the first segment. Why isn't why isn't Bauer? Bauer's very physical. Uh, uh you know, he fits the role, but I don't know that he's getting the run fits. Yeah, he's not totally under control, uh, been yeah. told. Um, and, and I also think that it allows them to get the best players on the field in that, you know, I think a timeshare at Buck, I mentioned that, might work. I um, think it, I really think it'll happen, too. I don't think you can put guys in for the whole... No, I don't, no, they just they're not experienced enough. You don't have enough body of work to you have no body of work really other I, than I keep saying third down that's wrong. Nickel nickel comes in off it on second yeah, and nine and second third 11. down. We yeah. mean third down slash passing downs. Right. Now, of course, they can throw the football when you don't have your passing down allowed, yeah. personnel on the field, but we're talking about second and 14. You know, even second and 10 to yes. a large extent. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, I <laughs> I think it's also reflective of they don't have a great candidate at Mike other than Asmar Bilal is the most. That's a good way of putting it, my it too. Number one reason for it being yeah there. because Mike is not Asmar Bilal's best position. No, although so. you know really maybe it is because it's <laughs> maybe, maybe it is because it's less space to cover. It, yeah, uh, well, it's a little more coverage responsibility according to according to Clark Lee and. Was it Morgan that told me that? He said it's a little bit more coverage responsibility at the mic because you are to the field side, okay. you know. Okay. Uh, but it, right. it doesn't mean it's an easier. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. like it's not no, like Tavon Coney wasn't running all over the damn field. Right, right. Um, I, part of it, I would say, a for me is that they don't have a good mic option. B is there's more talent you can get to the field of Buck. Uh, he mentioned Shane Simon. The question I didn't because the Simon thing is interesting now. 
Um, we need to give it three more full practices to watch him play Buck and let him develop and then ask Clark Lee about Shane Simon, I think. We asked him about him early before spring or basically the beginning of right. spring. You're, he's, you're high on everybody that's yeah. a, that, that tries hard. He's a try-hard guy. I'm, I was confused by the move. Um, but well, he, I'm, I'm not confused by the move. I'm surprised that it didn't work he, at Rover. That he, right, exactly. We're talking about a guy that played safety in high school. Yeah. I mean, he was recruited for the role. You know, As I mean, you, you said, Owusu Kormo was recruited you go, for the I too. believe if you go to 24-7 Sports, they'll say Shane Simon's safety uh, on the recruiting profile. Yeah, yeah. At least initially it, it, it was. So I'm surprised by that. And then the talk of not being physical. Look, if he's not going to be physical, there he's not playing. It doesn't right, matter what right, position yeah. you put and him someone at. Mentioned, I, I, wasn't, I didn't try to in, intimate it when I wrote that what I'd heard he wasn't physical contact player. I think he was having trouble being physical in space. I think I, you that, know. I think no, it can be I, hard if you can't get your feet. That you're. I, I would. I would agree, but you, but still, we're not you sure. still have to. Right, you still have to be physical, and if you don't, if you don't take that up a notch at Buck, then you're not going. You're not going to be a Buck. You're not going to be any kind of linebacker. And I'm not. Again, don't give up on Shane Simon. It's just the early returns from the spring were not good. Have after, not been good after Tavon Coney's first spring practice under Clark Lee. Clark Lee said. I, he didn't differentiate to me in any way, shape, or form. And eight months later, he was the defensive MVP of the team. Right. Clark Lee literally said he so you, showed me nothing his first spring. So you could throw a lot of a, a lot of guys that didn't play their first year at a lot of positions and, and through the first half of the spring may look like a fish out of water. Yeah. So let's just wait and Pump see. the brakes on yeah. Jane Simon. At Big Mac 24, besides Jacob Lacey, how have the rest of the mid-year freshmen looked? A lot of them we don't get looks at. Jack Kaiser is, of course, sidelined after shoulder surgery. Hunter Spears sidelined uh, after November ACL. We'll talk about some of the guys we've seen. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of Olmstead because he doesn't rotate in as much until until this practice with right. the uh, second unit. Right. Um, Zeke Carell has had moments because Zeke Carell, as I said, put in a three-on-three physical, physical run-fit drill, put Heinish to the ground. Now Heinish got him back. But that's still a nice thing for early enrollee. He... He looks small to me, Zeke Carell. He um, is, yeah, yeah. He, uh, but he's he's obviously going to be a. Pl- I would say he's going to be a player. Quinn Carroll has, but Quinn Carroll, I, I keep seeing Quinn Carroll against fourth string defensive linemen and walk ons too. I yeah. need to see him go against, and that, not that he has to go against Julian Aquara, but I want to see him go against someone that's a peer almost. Um, we have heard great things about Nana Osafa Mensa's work ethic and that he won't play this year. That's. Yeah, logically speaking, other than the four game thing, but we we just heard that he's good, that he's working out. Yeah, well. I, I mean, Osafa Mensa's probably flashed more than anybody that we've seen, just because he was given an opportunity to yeah. flash. He had about he, fifteen he, straight reps in kind of scrimmage action. Yeah, he took advantage of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm like you; I like what I see in Kyron Williams, but I don't know that we we certainly haven't seen enough. Jacob Lacey clearly is head and shoulders above everybody else. Zeke Corral, for the records, listed at 275, so that's too small to be a contributor um, now at, at center. Uh, Jay Bramley had one punt Saturday. I thought it was a line drive. Um, <laughs> no pen to throw, but you were not happy about it. There was <laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. Um, and you know, I mean, Kaiser out is out, and Spears is off to the side. Um, you know, trying to get healthy again. So. Uh, no real definitive guy that has really stepped up here other than we've seen Osafa Mensa do a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's good that uh, <laughs> Osafa Mensa would be a 
far, far, far dark horse to play because they're so loaded at defensive end. Yeah. He doesn't even need to play four games. I mean, they, no, but I think, I mean, we've seen, we've seen some movement. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and he, and he is playing on the strong side, which we felt was his best position from the beginning. CMU Penns fan, would you rate Derek Allen as A, behind the curve because of late enrollment, B, on par with most kids in his situation, C, showing signs of unexpected struggles from where he was projected, or D, all of the above? Uh, I would say C, showing signs of unexpected struggles from where he was projected. I don't think the late, I mean, late enrollment, he came in with all the other freshmen. I understand why he wouldn't, how that could curtail your opportunities as a true freshman. Right. That curtail that that made it hard for him to beat out Houston Griffin. No doubt. Sure. But I don't think that's what's at issue here. No. I mean he on par with most kids in his situation is probably true too, but I mean when you consider where he was ranked, um and again through channels we have been told that he was overranked by the recruiting services. And that's not a, and that's not a, in retrospect because he str- he struggled now that that we're saying that that's just that's just intel that we got that he was overranked and so I think he you know he's he's struggling for where he's projected yeah. or was projected. There's no doubt about I that. I think you know he has four years, so on par is also there. You know, I mean, not everybody's ready to roll their first spring in their redshirt freshman spring. He has not, to when we have been in there, which has been a fair amount, had a good spring. Um, I do think there's a bit of a confidence issue that, like, you know, people are telling him, you got to go make, just make play, you know, go make well, plays, getting, go play football. Getting, because of Gilman being out, yeah, he's getting a lot of He's reps. getting opportunities to work with the first unit. I will say, neither Allen nor. DJ Brown. I didn't say DJ Morgan for the first time in a long time. I'm proud of myself. Neither they run into Cole Komet and Brock Wright a lot, and they're losing. And I would expect them to. I think they're going to be some guys losing this fall. Derek Allen did one thing for the first time because we keep watching his reps against the tight ends for the first time, and it was after a couple times getting beat. I saw him actually kind of take the first hit from Brock Wright and not just completely separate from him. He was there and he made the play. Now he he batted the pass down. It was not a great throw. But he, yeah, I know you're supposed to do that. Is the face you're making? But he wasn't doing it, and and then he that they're looking for pro- progress is incremental. You know, he needs yes. to make incremental progress. Yeah. Safety's a tough position. He's struggling with it. My concern when I see him play is a a, a lack of suddenness, a lack of explosive. Can that be confidence? It can be certainly, but I was also going to say a lack of explosiveness in change of direction. Uh-huh. Which which can be a confidence issue, but I'm not sure I see this in in safety drills either. So just just I mean just I the image in my mind, and that's what that's what observing practices is. It's it creates images in your mind, and I haven't seen it. I would say if this question is asked in late August, and we feel the same way, that would be more. It's much more pertinent to, then. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But let me ask you this. As you watch him and DJ Brown play safety, who do you think has more potential? I think Brown moves better. I do too. I do too. I do too. At Struggle Bus Gus, and I promise you this will be the last time that this question is asked on a podcast. And it's there's nothing wrong with asking the question, but that is any progression from Darnell Yule. No, there has not been progression from Yule. Uh, he does get reps with Spears out and Franklin out. I think if Spears and Franklin are back and Howard Cross joins, who they are high on, back channels again, they they like Howard Cross. Um, 
he won't play at all this year. Position switch doesn't matter. Nope, position switch doesn't matter. Didn't help him to go to the offensive line. It made sense last year because he could be invited. He was scout team offensive line anyway. Going to offensive line made some sense. They had to move him back this year for for uh, what reps? He's a third string player right third, now. Yeah, yeah, third nose tackle. He has not. I mean, he he can't play. He can't play at this level. If and when that happens, we'll let you know. But we have seen that he can't play at this level. We have heard that he can't play at this level. At way to go, K man is a grad transfer kicker an option at this point? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not aware that they're pursuing a, a a grad transfer kicker. I haven't asked specifically. Grad so. transfer power forward or small forward is very important, but I'm not sure about kicker. Right there's. Yes, there's a grad transfer small forward who can rebound like Anybody, a power forward. Take any of them. Just bring yeah. on grad transfer. Grad yeah. transfer you, Tim. Uh, Justin Pierce is yes. his name. He goes to William & Mary, and Notre Dame is involved in him. But as far as grad transfer kicker, we don't know. I don't. I wouldn't give up on uh, I wouldn't give up on Jonathan Doerr. Remember, Harrison Leonard is coming in. A Harrison Leonard, I think, on. is a very key man. Yeah. Uh, and I would go so far as to say that um, there's a good chance he's Notre Dame's kicker. At some point next year? At some point. Yeah. Next year. That that could happen. And then Dork could kick, Dork could kick seen, off as well. Dork could yeah, kick I off. Haven't, we haven't seen Harrison Leonard. Right. Yeah. Harrison Leonard only seems like the chance because we haven't right, seen exa- him miss exactly, in practice. Exactly. Like John, I, the thing that concerns me about Jonathan Dork is, besides accuracy, um, is the right to left of his kicks. It's so extreme that I think, I don't know if I said this to you or if I said it on podcast, it's like he's playing dog leg left yeah. on every on every kick. And that, I mean, the way the ball moves is the way the ball moves. You can, I mean, you can make some adjustments or if that's the way it comes off your foot, then you play that dog leg left. But I think that's a tough way to make a living. The Justin Yoon Appreciation Society will elevate next September, I believe. In South Bend. Yes. Don't know what you got till it's gone. At Indy Football Fan 3, what are some bold predictions you have for this season? I was just, I just did a, I don't know anybody even sees these or how much we've been posting them, but 24-7 Sports has asked a, a several uh, of their sites to answer spring questions. we got a break now because most of those sites are in the NCAA tournament <laughs> in basketball. I was like, hey, well, how come there's no question this week? Well, there's NCAA tournament. Oh, I had free time. <laughs> uh, but that, uh, but my, but, so my point is, my, my bold prediction, it's not bold, but for the fifth time in the history of Notre Dame, they will have a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver. Oh, that's a nice one. Same and guy? Of course, just no. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, Armstrong, Armstrong's right? yeah. the rusher. It's like Roger Craig. Claypool, yeah. the receiver. Roger Craig, Marshall Falk, and who else? We know the other one? Somebody listening to us. 1,000 yards rushing and receiving the same season. No, oh, no. Oh. I know, I know. I was, no, trying, to no, make, not, I was no. trying to make Jafar Armstrong the greatest player ever. <laughs> well, Armstrong, yeah. if anybody has a chance at running back to have 1,000 yards receiving, I guess it'd be him. But. I have one. I've been thinking about it, Okay, too. what is it? I think Notre Dame's going to beat Georgia. You, you, you believe that? You know, like fifty-three percent range. Really? Yeah. And I, what I, made, I'm not. What? I'm not. I just think I don't. I think Notre Dame's strengths going to that game with Ian Book being a senior. He's been in. He's been in harder situations now. I think their defensive ends can travel. I think the pass rush travels. I think the safeties can keep things from. 
getting behind them, like usually happens against what the quote, uh, you know, the quote unquote faster teams be concerned about Houston Griffith and his third career start or whatever over there. But I mean, it's, he's a, he's a quality player. It's not like you're just throwing someone out there. Veteran offensive line, Fink and Claypool, Cole Komet. I think Ian Book's better than he showed. I just think that they will, I mean, I think it's coming down to it. I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a Miami. Well, I don't, I, it would be really disheartening if it's like that ever again, but I just don't think they're going to get outclassed. I don't, I don't feel that way about them. I can't top that for bold. <laughs> That's, I don't think they're going to get outclassed. I think they can yeah. win the game. I really do. I don't. Well, that's a great one. I can't. I can't top that. Mine's mine's piddly compared to that <laughs> prediction. I like that. This is, and I mean, that doesn't mean I think they're going twelve and zero. I think they could lose to Virginia or Virginia not, Tech. I just, I just, you know, I, I guess I'm just. In you a, need to I'm see I'm just it. not. Yeah, no, no, I'm not prepared to go there now. I'm still in spring football. I mean, I, I don't oh, even. I think it's going to be great. No, I, no, I'm prepared to go there. I can't wait. That, that's a that's a bucket list um, type venue for me. I just don't know. I don't know enough about Georgia right, right now. Right, but that's I, what I, I'm I saying. I, I I know that they they've they've had a two year talent train. They have a lot yeah, of talent. No, they've no, had a two no year doubt. recruiting well, boom too. So I guess it's no. Nothing. There's no doubt. But they had a talent drain on defense, and they they yeah they still were right there. They were still knocking on the door uh, until you know really late in the in the season. So, so. was Notre Dame. Yeah, no, I know. I feel I know. like they don't get. No, I, I feel like they don't get enough credit. But it's at, for last it's at year. Georgia. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- th- this is. Those are to go think, to Georgia and win is is the equivalent of going to Oklahoma and winning in twenty twelve. Right, I think the seniors I mentioned with the playoff experience and playing Georgia before, and I don't think they care. It's a, I don't think there's enough guys that care. It's at Georgia. How's that? Like Kareem Aquara, the offensive line, Ian Book, Gilman and Elliott, Troy Pride. Those are those are important positions. Okay, let me ask. But now, Jarrett I, Patterson might be a little overwhelmed, yeah. but you know it's. Let, okay, so you remember how the Georgia fans traveled? Do you know the environment that's going oh, to be in Notre Dame? I have there? been. See, this to goes back. Athens, to, this yes. goes back to the which. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yes. right. That's I right. live in Atlanta. This goes yeah. back to the first question about uh, being dispassionate journalists. Uh, I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm like, I, look, I covered Lou Holtz for 11 years, man, I, and he he believed something bad could always happen. Yeah. I I learned that from him, and when I coached, I I always worried about everything that could go wrong. And I, and I, I evaluate Nordic football that way still, and always will because that's a really tough place to play. <laughs> it is that's, a tough that's, place that's, to play. that's, that's yeah. going to be, that's going to be a, a pretty steep assignment. You know who they're not? Clemson. What? I don't think they're that level. You don't think Georgia's that no, level? I don't no, think I, oh, that I agree, level. no, I agree yeah. with that. So I, I think Notre Dame was the next level from that. So well, I just, I'm, yeah. If and when Georgia wins a national title, then we'll look at them differently. But no, <laughs> yes, I don't look yeah. at them the same way as Clemson. That, no. that question went off the rails, huh? But there was yeah. <laughs> right. Golden Domer 73. What does Notre Dame have to do or what steps need to be taken so that becoming a perennial playoff contender becomes a reality with the likes of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State? I'm not sure that that's possible. I mean, I, 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 I well, okay, the... Uh, Change your academic standards and change everything that Nordame really represents. At the end of the day, yeah, that would, that's, that would, it's, the other thing I'd throw out that's there. That's a reality is, that people. I mean, that some I, people say, and they're not going to do. Obviously, we wouldn't want them to there, do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 2019. It, it things have changed. I'm not sure that Nordame can get. The other thing I'd throw out there is hire a Hall of Fame college football coach. I mean, I, I Brian Kelly's a very good college football coach, but he's not a Hall of Fame college football coach, and I I, I don't know that you could. 
I don't know that you could do it with anything other than that at this point. Yeah, I mean, Lou Holtz was or is going to be. Is, 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 is yeah. Whether he is, I mean, whether he would be, is there or not, he, he is. I don't do disagree think? with you. I don't disagree with you. I don't know about the perennial playoff contender. I was a little, you know, we talked about this last time with Pete. 50 wins in five years would be a lot. I know that sounds... I don't doubt it's possible. Yeah, let, let, That's I, too much. Let, okay, let, I, I perennial playoff contender is fifty wins in five years. Yes, don't you think? Yeah, I. I guess that makes you. You know what? That does make you <coughs> fifteen, fifteen. Actually, that's not if you're thinking about a whole gamut of a whole season. So that'd be three. Games. Yeah, that'd be three yeah, losses. Yeah. Um, as long what? So two more playoff contentions in five years? That's perennial, right? Does that count? Because they just did one no, too. Per- perennial means every year. <laughs> I know you're going to use my, That's like my arc comment. The arc doesn't go straight, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> perennial. So they won't be a playoff contender every year. They will not be a playoff contender. But every year. two in five years, certainly. Yes. Yeah. Certainly, I, I I certainly think that's possible. But if you're expecting four every, if you're expecting th- beyond two, I think that that yeah, I think, I think that starts to become right. too much. I don't think I don't know. If they but playoff contender was that? I mean, you could what losing your twelfth game of the year? Two thousand fifteen, you're a playoff contender. How's that? One loss, and you had to win the Stanford game, and then maybe you would have gotten in. That's playoff. That's contender. a good playoff. That's playoff. Two thousand seventeen wasn't. No, not lost, after Miami. Lost too early, and they definitely were. After, it's semantics yeah. there, so it's difficult yeah. to say. But I de- but to, but Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State are on a different plane from Notre Dame, and I don't know that they're ever going to be on that plane again. Maybe November is a good. I mean, they've been a playoff contender entering November five times the last six years. That's 2014. Pretty, they that's were. really good. So if you want to do that, I think Notre Dame. So it is comes the, down yeah. to definition of playoff contender. Yeah, because if you want to continue, I mean, they were a playoff contender when they left. Well, I didn't State, think that. I didn't think sure. the question would go in that direction. It comes down to the definition of yeah. perennial playoff contender. If that Literally means getting five to out November, of six. five out of six. I don't think Golden Domer '73 means no. I don't think so means either. that most playoff contenders will not lose their last four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Golden Domer 73 we need your definition of perennial yes. playoff contender at AP underscore Carpenter are you grateful <laughs> that practice was early so you can focus on opening day today they actually gave us the day off oh sorry go, go, <laughs> yeah I'm sure they gave us the day off because of that practice was uh, closed today yep. so we did, we did not go early Michael Birch is happy that uh, practice is early so he can watch the Indians I'm fairly what certain of that what time play uh, Indians. I think I think they're a four o'clock. They're a four o'clock game. So he will definitely get an opportunity to see that. My kids right now are in the uh, South Bend Cubs age range, where they're not focused on the game, but they like the bounce houses that are there. Absolutely. South Bend Cubs has a out. If people don't know this, oh, that that's a great. Is, that is Fort tremendous. Winsfield is the best minor league experience this side of uh, Durham. North Carolina. <laughs> it is outstanding. And they, get, and they have a beer garden in the outfield. Oh, the whole thing's great. It is. So we go to that a lot. Actually, the last two years, or the first two years I didn't go, this has to do with having three young kids, to a Major League Baseball game in my since going as a really? six-year-old. The last two years, yeah. Well, they'll grow up and you'll get yes. a chance to I went them. with a friend um, when Charlie, my younger one, was a baby uh, to the Cubs game. He flew up from uh, Atlanta. He's a Marlins fan. We went to the Marlins for, uh, Cubs series in August a couple years ago. But uh, that, I haven't been since. It's amazing. Baseball, I, I said it in my Thursday thoughts. It's like oxygen for me. I just, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, as a Red Sox fan, it's tough not going to the games when they're winning everything, too. You're yeah, no kidding. Turn on the TV and 
No kidding. I just want to cut. When I was, a, I'm going to end it at this because people are bored about Cubs, White Sox talk. But when I was a kid, if the Cubs were still in the playoffs by Memorial Day, in, in contention, just any shot by Memorial Day. So we're talking about yeah, yeah. end of May. <laughs> I, 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 that was, I, I heard Labor Day when you said no, Memorial no, no, Day, no. which I was like, that, well, of course. That was, yeah. that, was, that was enough for me. At D.A. Dixon 408, <laughs> with what we know at this point, what do you still need to see between now and the April 13th Blue Goal game to consider this a successful spring? Great question to end on. It really is. I think uh, if at the end of the Blue Goal game, I say the offensive line continues to be really solid against this defense, holding up in pass protection. That would be big. Um, there will be fallback from receivers and corners because all we do is watch receivers and corners and these one-on-ones and yeah, seven-on-sevens. I mean, yeah. we, we, that, we focus on them. We can't help it. Uh, the, 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 pro, the program's practices are featuring them right now in the spring. Other than that, I would like, I'd like to see Houston Griffith, though, out of those two groups have a spring where you're like, yep, you know what? There you go. They got another corner. Because I think Troy Pride will have a good year. I, you know why I'm glad you mentioned Troy Pride? Because bold prediction... I actually wanted to say that. I'm not sure what I want to come up with. I think he will shut down Georgia and go. With no, I, no, I, no. I think uh, like he will be every bit the NFL prospect that Julian Love is, but not the not as productive in his senior year. Not, it's no, impossible yeah, kind it's of, a, yeah, yeah, not as. Yeah. Pro, that's why I'm skipping that. Right. I'm going right to the I, I, because yeah. he's going. You know, he's going going to run well. Right. Um, He's and physical. I, and I, I, we'll have a story on him, by the way. I, I kind of save that to tomorrow because Friday because it's Coach's Clinic, so I want to get a story in the can because I'm not going to be writing more. Right. I'm going to be right. at Coach's Clinic. But the interview with Troy Pride, read that because I, I, I love his attitude. He's, he's a grinder. He's a worker. You know, I, I, he, he takes nothing for granted. I, I, lo- I love the way he's practiced. I think if you add that up with the speed, I think the productivity is going to show more this year. Yes. It's going to be a I, really, really good football I player. I think his productivity will really jump this year. He looked great last August. Um, he was good. He wasn't as productive as I thought. He, I thought he was going to be just outstanding, and I think he could be this year. I love Troy Pride's attitude because he told us before the Virginia Tech game, where obviously we're all talking about the hype of yeah. the crowd, he said, you can put the ball down the parking lot. I don't care what we play. Yeah, I, That's I, what I, you want. I love the way he approaches the game, and I and I hope he's rewarded for it. My last thing would be uh, some clarity. And, well, first of all, the, the, the rise of the receivers, it won't be a straight line. I get that, the arc. But as long as we end spring saying, wow, they've got some good young receivers, and Michael Young's at the forefront of that. Yeah. He's, even, though he's a, even though he's a junior, he's still young. Uh, nickel, some... some a little bit more. I'm not sure we're going to have. We're not going to have a resolution. We're not going to have a resolution at linebacker. But as long as that's on the rise, mm-hmm. as long as you can get more signs that okay, they're comfortable with Asmar Bilal at Mike. Okay, uh, Jim Markeith and Lamb are the two guys we like there. And we're going to move forward with that. I still think, you know, I I, I think there's a concern with the, the you know there's the whole four two five talk. Uh, you got you got to be able to be you got to be able to be a four three four defense too. I will take away to my Georgia production if, if it's yeah. too much of that. So yeah, that's, that that that's a concern. But I think Owusu Koromoa and uh, and Moala have shown enough that okay, that's that's a promising position for them. All right, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. We have an open practice on Saturday. We'll be at that. We'll have a podcast again on Monday, April first. No fooling. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.